0: Did you know that I have a husband? It's true. His name is Brad. He is awesome. He is 6'3", a redhead, a fantastic father, really funny. Brad is not typically one to put himself on center stage, but you wanted to hear from him. How can someone help a loved one through a faith crisis? Brad is on the show to share his version of our story. This is episode 125. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I am here to teach you how to take back your life and dare to progress towards bettering yourself, honing your gifts, and using them for good in the world. Listen in to be inspired by others who are walking the same path of self-improvement paired with self-love, and to be a part of a community that knows life is about progress, not perfection today you get to hear from my best friend, the most important person in my life, and it's my husband, Brad. Many of you asked to know more about what it was like for him to support me through my own series of faith crises. So he's here today to share his point of view, and we're also going to answer some questions that you submitted on Instagram. Now this is another one of those episodes where we can't give the full story just because of time. So we're gonna do our best to share and also answer your questions, but perhaps in not as much detail as one would do in a book on this topic. This is also going to be our last episode on this whole Faith Crisis series, and I hope it was so helpful to you. And, and like I've said in the other episodes, if you are anywhere in the LDS spectrum or outside of it, I hope that we can all just connect with each other and love each other. Our intent today is to help, and I hope that you can feel that. All right, all right. The man of the hour is here. Hello, Brad.
1: Hello, Monica.
0: <laughs> I always like to have my guests introduce themselves. For So you are no different. How about you start by introducing yourself to my listeners who've never heard from you.
1: (laughs) Okay, my name is Brad, I'm Monica's husband. I'm a big fan of About Progress and a big stalker of her Instagram feed. (laughs) I am an accountant. I work in San Francisco in uh, financial services. We've been out here for about 11 some odd years now. And uh, what can I say about myself? I love love cereal a lot Mm -hmm. for breakfast and for a fourth meal around 9.30 every night. I love Shawshank Redemption and Rudy and Back to the Future Part One. I I hate the smell of microwave broccoli more than anything in the world. (laughs) And so it's a big sign of the love I have for Monica whenever she's making that. I tolerate it and allow it to happen. I...
0: What do you do for fun?
1: For fun, um, I like, well, like, I like running. It's my way of uh, not getting old and having my body fall apart, so I try and do a couple half marathons a year just so I get out and do something. I like playing volleyball. I like following the NFL and the NBA. Um, I love Star Wars. That's one of our big victories as parents is getting kids <laughs> into Star Wars where they're obsessed with it, and our three-year-old's able to name every single character from every single movie. Um what else? Music. Music. I like music. Um, try and bust out the guitar every once in a while, but love uh, love listening to music. Um, favorite bands? I don't know. Uh, probably Jimmy Eat World and Yellow Card all time. Uh, lately, we've been trying to get the kids into the Beatles and getting them listening to musicals, and so that's been, that's been a good thing, too. Makes road trips a little easier.
0: Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. I... Love Brad. I'm sure you already know that. People who are listening, Brad does too. One other thing you should know about him is he's, well, one, he's under the weather right now. So he is a trooper to still do this through a sore throat. But two, he is the first to like almost all of my Instagram posts, like the very first. He has notifications. So he's the first in line to do that. And scroll through my my comments and see his comments because he is He's just so funny, and you have to know his sense of humor. So,
1: more, more than half the time, though, like I'll comment and be like, "Oh, Monica's gonna be so mad at me for this, or she's gonna make me delete it." But
0: have I ever done that? It's 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 just the fear <laughs> that I have that it's too inappropriate or something. Yeah, or that someone's
1: gonna like see that and be like, "Who is this weirdo on her feed, and what is yeah. he doing here, and why doesn't she block him?"
0: <laughs> okay, well, I have yet to ever uh, regret one of your comments. Just for the record, so. He is such a good supporter for me, my best friend. Let's dive into, well, first, maybe we should share a little bit of how we met, and then we're going to dive into this discussion. Okay? So, um, scoot forward a little bit and tell us, tell people if you can. He has
1: very long legs. Okay. <laughs> uh, How we met. So... A little bit of background is that our parents actually grew up together and knew each other way back in the day in in northern Utah. Our moms met in middle school, I think, and then went to the same high school as my dad, and then Monica's dad was close by. So our moms ended up being college roommates. Monica's sister is actually named after my mom. So we've been family friends our whole lives but we really only knew of each other's parents. Like when Monica's parents would always come out to California and they'd visit, they'd stop by our house, same thing. So my parents would go to Utah and they'd stop by the Simmons household and visit them. And same thing when Monica's parents would come to California, they'd stop by and see us. So we were aware of each other's families. The only time that I actually met Monica when we were young was I was like 10 and she was seven. And we went over to their house during a... During Christmas, because uh, my grandma actually lived in the same hometown as Monica, and so I remember playing ping pong in her basement with her older brothers. But I don't remember—I don't actually remember meeting or seeing Monica that day. But she also has uh, six siblings, so there was just a lot. A lot yeah, going I don't on. remember
0: him either. There's no hard feelings. How
1: dare you? And so then uh, we ended up crossing paths later when we were at BYU when we moved into the same ward together. And before that, I knew, before we made the connection on like, oh, hey, our parents are uh, best friends and uh, we're family friends is um, the first week of school. We ended up doing an activity with a couple different apartments where we played capture the flag in front of our apartment complex. And I specifically remember seeing Monica and thinking to myself, that is the most beautiful person I've seen that is not in a movie or on a TV show it was like the most beautiful person I'd ever seen in real life up close and I was just (laughs) just blown away by that I say it all factually but I'm like wow she is beautiful and then pretty soon after that end up finding out that she was dating someone pretty seriously at the time uh, pretty much unofficially engaged and so I'm like oh okay well I didn't have a chance there but uh, fortunately that ended up Unfortunately for me, that ended up not working out, and so I found out that Monica was available because one of my roommates actually asked her out for a big group date that we went on. When we were like, "Oh, who who are you who are you taking? Who'd you ask?" And he's like, "Oh, Monica Simmons." I'm like, "Oh, she's available? Like, what happened to the other guy?" But I wasn't thinking at that point that I would uh, try and ask Monica out because she was so far out of my league; it was ridiculous, and so it didn't not even true. didn't even cross my mind to try and uh, to try and take a shot at her and so monica in the meantime i guess was interested in me but she, uh, she she was smart she knew that if she got our mothers involved that something would happen and so she just kind of floated to her mother the idea that oh yeah I'm, I'm i'm i'd sure love to go out with brad packer sometime and then monica's mom took that bit of information and then delivered it to my mother who then delivered it to me and i was kind of <laughs> Yeah, so we're we're college kids that were pulling the whole, like, third grade, passing a note in class um, mm-hmm. type thing. But, I mean, I heard that, like, hey, Monica is interested in going out with you. I'm like, well, we, we haven't even really had, like, a conversation. Like, she's she's just this – so far out of my league, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. And then literally the next day, um, I was having a conversation actually with Monica and with some of her roommates. Um and I had to go back inside my apartment because I was taking some history or humanities class. I can't remember where I was required to watch uh, My Fair Lady write an essay about it, which was funny because I was fully into the accounting program at that time and working on all those classes, and there I was writing an essay on My Fair Lady. So it just is like a throwaway line, like, oh, well, I actually have to go like watch the last hour of that movie to get ready to, to write this paper. And then Monica's like, oh, well, um, can I come and watch it with you? And I remember just kind of not sure if I had heard that correctly. Like, wait, Monica Simmons, like, wants to come into my apartment to hang out with me? And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. So she comes in. And, of course, like, the the movie's rolling, but we ended up just talking the whole time for, like, a solid hour. And what was funny is my roommates kept on, like, walking in and then doing these double takes, like, what is she doing in here? And with Brad, like, what's going on here? What do you do to, how much is he paying her to come in here and be his friend? Um, and then it ends up that, uh, she was putting herself out there, uh, because she was interested. And then we ended up spending, you know, the next like three weeks, the rest of that semester together every single day, hanging out and talking and just really connected and knew that it was something, it was something special. And I'd like to say that then we started dating and then we got engaged and it was was all good from there, but it was like another year of. Uh, of pursuit and patience before she finally was able to say like, okay, I'm ready to date exclusively. And multiple times during that, it almost fell apart completely. And
0: yeah, we had our split up time before we were ever together. So that's kind of nice. We got that out of the way and we had a lot of friendship. And I think it's good for people to know our story because that really is the foundation to our marriage is this friendship and this communication and this genuine love and acceptance for he- who each other is. And, I mean, that space in between, I definitely, I mean, I went through some of the darkest periods of my life um, with my eating disorders and everything that went with it. And that's why I didn't date Brad, but he was the only person I kind of sort of told about it. And he accepted me. And that's the basis of who we are. So that continued after we married and I had these other struggles with my faith. So now is how we're going to get into Brad's point of view of my struggles. And I'm going to ask him these questions and he'll he's going to answer them. So we first wanted to know, when did you first kind of get a sense that something was up with me and how I was struggling spiritually?
1: kind of as you mentioned in, in your specific um, episode, when you started to voice some concerns about your place as a woman and your desire to seek out um, Heavenly Mother and to know more about Heavenly Mother. And uh, and I think initially it kind of surprised me more so just not because it was something strange or weird or unacceptable, but more it just wasn't something I had thought about because it was never a problem that I had had, which, you know, makes sense. I... Always know about my heavenly father. I have my place in the church, uh, priesthood holder. There was never me wondering like, what is my place here? What is my value? By looking across the aisle at the opposite gender and seeing them have so much more than me, that wasn't the case. And so those were kind of the initial questions that she brought up, and then that kind of progressed more to when she felt like she wasn't getting answers to her prayers, and not, and, and really just wondering if. God was there to answer her, and it's worth noting that, and I believe Monica had mentioned this as well, Monica was a rule follower. She was doing everything that she was supposed to be doing. She was diligent with her scripture study, with her prayers. She was fulfilling all of her callings. I mean, completely independent of the church. She was a, she was a wonderful, good, solid person, and so for her to be doing all those things and be doing them for the right reasons, but then feeling like she wasn't getting answers to her prayers and that she wasn't feeling a connection with her father in heaven, for that to be her issue or her, her her struggle, I feel like was completely valid. Like if I were in her shoes and I would feel the exact same way. And so when she voiced those concerns to me, I felt like it was completely legit and absolutely something which which would make someone feel downtrodden and, and disconnected.
0: Yeah. So why don't you freak out then? Like, why didn't you get all scared? And I mean, at least trying to give me scriptures or talks, which you, which you never did, which was actually kind of helpful for me. Um, yeah. But why didn't you respond in that way?
1: Well, I, I think because it wasn't like you had gone, You'd gone online and read something that you didn't know about, maybe something about the church historically, which was news to you, or um, regarding certain doctrines. It was it was something that you felt, and so it wasn't necessarily something that in the requ- beginning, yeah, right, right. It wasn't necessarily something that required a rebuttal, where it's like, oh, well, you're 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 feeling like hmm. God's not answering your prayers, well. Um, I mean, what if I had just told you, yeah, Monica, you just need to pray harder. You just need to have more faith. You just need to um, trust that the Lord will answer you in his own time, which I mean, of course, there, he's repeated that throughout the scriptures. But y- you didn't need me to give you instructions on what you needed to do. You didn't need me to provide you with a talk to read. I feel like you you may have just needed Someone in your corner who heard you, who understood you, who validated your your thought process, and who would support you as you continued to to struggle with it or mm-hmm. hopefully overcome it.
0: Oh, you totally did all of that. I mean, that's the thing, Brad. I feel like Brad's most common reply to my worries or the struggles I'm facing, even if it's just day-to-day stuff with the kids, is you are so entitled to feel that way. <laughs> it's never like it's never, it's never judgy. It just is never that way. Or even with good intention behind it, trying to fix me. You've never tried to fix me. But I mean, as time went on, and I was kind of digging into more church history material, um, even things that we hear around online or whatever it is that's out there. I mean, people are familiar with the Joseph Smith papers, like really throwing people off all of that. Or I was diving into more learning about um, women in the church how was that different for you, if it was, and what did you do then as that progressed? I mean, because this is like a I mean, we've been married almost eleven years, so this has been a eleven year thing for us. So as that progressed, did things change for you in terms of your perception or your worries for me? Um, and regardless of that, what did what did you decide to do about it?
1: I think that um I, I think I was always concerned but not concerned in the way that you would think in that i thought like oh man like she's going down this path and it's a dark path and she's gonna leave and that that would be horrible like it it was the concern was never that the concern was more seeing someone who was earnestly seeking truth and was earnestly seeking answers to her prayers and was doing all the work necessary to be worthy of the spirit and to have a relationship with her heavenly father that was struggling. And so my concern was that she deserved to be able to overcome that and to feel his presence in her life and to feel value as a woman in the church. And I was concerned that if she didn't get that, that it would, there would be something very... I don't want to say ruin, like it was, it was something that would ruin you, but I just knew it was something that would affect you profoundly and would, would manifest itself in all aspects of your life as a wife, as a, as a mother, as, um, as a member of the church and that, that it would just be hard to live life that way. So my concern was wanting you to be able to To feel like you had a place in the world and feel like that you mattered and that you were valued both by your heavenly parents and by, by the church locally and the church at large.
0: Yeah, that, and that, that was there. Like, I always felt that. I feel like, though, I did not do the best job of always sharing with you just how deeply troubled I was. I think for some years... I mean, I did share them with you, but not as often as I was feeling it. The turmoil was far deeper and longer reaching and longer lasting than I let on until I think we moved to where we are now. And then it became more of a forefront after we had our second child. And then especially after our third is when I really came to a point of needing to make a decision just because of how much turmoil I felt. And that's when I feel like we had more and more conversations like late at night. Um, pillow talking about the different things that I was struggling with or the things we had read. And I think one thing that was really helpful is you were reading too. It wasn't like I was just like sharing things with you you never heard of or that you were putting your head in the sand and not wanting to hear my struggles or to dive into your own research or learn about the church yourself and our history and all of that that was there too and I think that was a big factor in helping us move forward in a way that was helpful instead of um, scary or again like you trying to fix me.
1: Mm-hmm. And kind of, kind of around that time like there were there were certain like movements within the church and uh, mm-hmm. documents that were being released like the, the CES letter for example when when that came out I, I read it in full um, and a lot of what was in there w- were things that I had heard before I was familiar with so I could totally see how that would be like a foundational uh shaking bits of information to learn mm-hmm. and so so I felt like that kind of put me in a place where I was able to understand understand at least what you were being encountered with what you were reading and what you were seeing and to try and um in in trying at least like know what you were you were seeing or reading or struggling with as opposed to if you raised issues to me and i simply dismissed it as like oh well you shouldn't be reading that stuff or you shouldn't worry about that or there's no validity to what's being said at least was familiar with it and um on top of that i ended up following a fair number of like mormon feminists on twitter so a lot of the issues that monica brought up to me were things that i had already seen in discussions pop up which uh which I think to a certain extent, at least, helped yeah. you, me relate to you, or you—you you knew that totally. you were sharing things with me. Where I at least, while not like facing the same, uh, the same issues or the same struggles, I was aw- aware of what they were, and and also aware of uh, of the validity of the of the feelings that you and and many other people with within the church had.
0: Yeah, and funnily enough, like my own issues happened way before those things even were taking place. And even when they were taking place, you know, sometimes I would read things and then I would just like need to stop because it was making me too angry or too upset. So like Brad read things that I couldn't read in full because it made me too frustrated or sad. Or um, I don't even, I'm not even on Twitter, so I don't, I don't follow the Mormon feminist housewives on Twitter. But yeah, like those women, I feel like helped you give voice and like shared stories about what it feels like to be a woman in the church, in my shoes mm-hmm. just frustrating frustration and in, in those ways so yeah props to those women right
1: <laughs> yeah and, and I think it helped me at least know that my role with you was to just be there for you to hear you listen to your thoughts and and support you in, in your journey wherever wherever it would lead you
0: mm-hmm. and I feel like we didn't really have this those moments where it was like are you gonna stay or not like, you never asked me those questions. You never asked me if I was going to leave the church. I remember asking you, like, what would you, What would happen if I left, you know, when I'm, like, scared? And the way you dealt with that was, like, well, we'll worry about that when we get to it or if that happens, you know, we'll figure it out. But I never felt the fear from you. Um, and I, and I remember, like, w- one year, maybe it was 2016, 2017, even, um, I think it was 2016. My big goal for the year was to find out if God exists. (laughs) Do you remember that? I do. And I remember like telling you that's my goal this year. And you're like, okay. (laughs) There was just like no fear. I don't know. Maybe people are going to be like, hey, this isn't that helpful of an episode because all your husband did was support you. (laughs) There was not that much drama,
1: Mm.
0: right? Within our home about it. Because of you, I think, honestly.
1: Right. but I mean, to be fair, and I think that this is kind of probably gonna lead into your next questions is like what what would it have been like had either of us decided to leave? How would we have handled that within within our marriage? And honestly, I think that we can't really answer that. We don't really know. Yeah. Um, but just even talking about it now, like we're sure it would have been it would have been really hard. It would have been really hard to kind of sort through. What yeah. that would have what that would have looked like for us and to maintain that just to maintain the the full harmony within the home we're, we're sure issues would have popped up um, like
0: how to raise the kids um, maybe if I live a different lifestyle than I had before in terms of what I would eat or drink or how I'd want to spend my time could would have changed mm-hmm. you know
1: that's why we I, th- I think we have great love and respect both for Homes in which one spouse chooses to remain, one spouse chooses Absolutely. to leave, and homes where both both spouses choose to leave, like the, it's that's a very delicate balance to achieve and, and really respect and love those who, who are able to figure it out, whatever that looks like for them.
0: Yeah, and I've actually have a few friends in those situations, and when they have approached that with so much love and acceptance for the other person, they've said that it's actually made them stronger as a couple. In time, And I mean, I'm grateful we haven't had to navigate that, honestly, because that, that would have been really hard. So we don't really have an answer for that. Mm. Um, but I'm sure there are many people out there who do. Um, and my last question for you, Brad, before we get into this Q&A section is, you know, when I have, like, for example, when you read the whole CES letter, CES letter, and I was like, holy cow, you read that all? <laughs> what did you think? Like, I had to ask you what you thought about it because I just wasn't ready to dive into every word of it. Um, and I like asked like, so why do you, why, why do you have a testimony, Brad? And he would answer me and it was just like simple and beautiful. So how about you tell people, why do you stay with our LDS faith?
1: I think in short, it's that there's, there's a handful of things that I'm really able to, to hang on to that um that that will keep me in it for the long haul and it's it's a belief that the plan of salvation is is real and wonderful and and something which gets us back to the presence of our heavenly father with our families there's nothing more beautiful than than that notion to me and and it's something I want to stick with i believe that um that Christ suffered for us i believe in the atonement and that it makes jerks like me <laughs> better than we could be on our own and and I believe that we need guidance today and so we need um, we need God's voice. we need a church with, uh, with ordinances and covenants and because all those things are, are found in Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, it''s it's, uh, it's worth holding on to for me. Um, that being said, I, like, I, I understand that there are those who may believe all those same things as me and and not stay within the church and uh and they have other things that they're dealing with and struggling with it's it's not that i am around because i'm more faithful i've stuck with it because i'm a better person it's just I, that's the balance that i've been able to achieve is in the face of doubts and struggles and questions that i may have i still fall back on the belief that i i've I believe God has a plan for us and this is the way that he's communicating it to us. And, and I'm going to follow that to the best of my ability and, 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 and hope that it's right at the end of the day. Yeah. And if not, we've, uh, we've been raised in, in in homes where we're trying to love each other and, uh, and -hmm. and support our families and, and try and do good with our fellow man. And, and it's and it's a good gamble to take.
0: Definitely. I think that's well, that's not I think I that's how I feel about it as well. Mm. It's worth the gamble for me. Uh thanks, Brad. That's mm-hmm. that's sweet of you to share that. Um let's get into these Q and A's. A lot of people send in questions and they tended to be um They tended to be around the same sort of things, Um, so we've narrowed them down to a few that kind of encapsulate the different questions people had. So now we're going to turn the tables a little bit, and Brad is going to ask me these questions that people had.
1: Uh, The first question is, how will you navigate raising your kids? And I guess that question really is... That's for both of us, too. How would you navigate raising your kids if one were out and one were in? Is that what the question is? No, they
0: actually meant, like... Feeling how you do sorry, I know I know the people who asked this, so I know how they framed it. Like feeling how you do about the church. Well, the
1: podcast host is not prepared here. I'm sorry. No,
0: you're doing great. No feeling the way you do about the church and how you doubt so much but you still stay. How are you navigating teaching your children in a way that you're not just teaching them black and white? Um, and teaching the gray? So that was the question. Mm-hmm. For us, we can both answer this. I feel like we are doing our best to teach our children the basic principles of our testimonies, which we've both shared. He's just shared his. I shared mine in mine, uh, my first episode, about the plan of salvation, about heavenly parents, about obedience and laws that keep us safe and some that don't make sense, but it's still a good, a good thing to bet on, like the word of wisdom. You know, it's just about obedience and love and openness. And on top of that, I feel that we are doing our best to teach our children um, that it is always okay to have questions about anything, faith-related or not. Our home is a safe place to talk about anything, and our kids have already raised a lot of questions. My daughter has openly asked why can't I pass the priesthood, or why can't I pass the sacrament, or why can't I have the priesthood? And when she's asked those, I have shared with her my beliefs on them without shame, but also without, I mean, she's seven, so I'm not going to sit her down and tell her about the whole history of the church or anything like that. I still have to be a little more simple on how I'm sharing things, but I can tell her, like, I don't know why, but here's what I believe about that. Or I teach my kids, like, Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother love you. Um, when we've been listening to talks or general conference talks where it only talks about Heavenly Father, I have turned to my kids and said, you know, there's a Heavenly Mother too, right? And they're like, yep. It's, I don't know. I, do I think we're doing it all right? No, I'm sure we're going to find out a lot of things we're not doing correctly um, in time. But I think we are raising an environment where... They know we believe things and we live by them, but we are also thinking people and we can talk about questions we have and we don't need to be afraid of questions. What do you think, Brad?
1: Right. I think the only thing I'd add there is, um, and this will come into play, I think, as they get a little bit older, is Mm -hmm. just teaching them how to recognize the spirit, how to be worthy of it. Yes. and how to have a how to have a personal relationship both with their heavenly parents and with the savior that it's uh that it's something very real that they can seek out and be worthy of and to have that be be something part of their part of their life
0: oh i'm glad you brought that up cuz that is one thing we do we try to say like when it feels good when they've done the right thing or when they've prayed and like my daughter has a huge testimony of praying and feel better when she's scared um i'm just trying to hope that they hold on to those things so yeah like pointing out when the spirit is strong has been helpful or when it feels good or joyful because sometimes it's tricky
1: yeah okay all right next question for you And, and again this isn't something you'll probably be able to dive into and too much detail right now you did bring up in your podcast um your concerns about um about womanhood and about um getting answers to your prayers what other issues Mm -hmm. have come up for you
0: yes so those those issues i i put up were primarily centered around my identity as a woman um and that is probably the biggest piece of the puzzle for me and what i struggled with but there are many many other pieces to the puzzle um including polygamy, um, LGBTQ issues, also racism, um, faulty leaders, and maybe choices they made, um, even just personal experiences of people within the church, you know, that many have um, that weren't positive. But um, like I said, we, we can't really dive into all of those here um, based off of our parameters. But yes, what I would like people to know is those are all very much a part of my daily struggle through it. Um, but ultimately, has come to the same answer for me to continue seeking on those things that I have questions about. And it also relates to my, my um, my weird kind of testimony that the church is led by humans who make mistakes. And although I can't speak for God, or the church on those reasons. I have my own personal beliefs about them that I live on. And I am anxious to see what are the answers to these questions that I have on those topics. And I, I'm i not sure when they'll come. I hope they're within my lifetime. And I certainly hope they're for our children's generations. But it, it, it still is part of my decision to stick with it with hope and faith that those answers will come church-wide.
1: And it, and it made me think of one thing you brought up on, on your episode about um, about doubting Thomas and how much you identified with him, but also his song from Lamb of God, the quote of, uh, not now but in coming years, it may not be when we demand. We'll read the meaning of our tears, and there sometime we'll understand. Hmm. Um, the, the answers will come later, and and and... It's just a it's a beautiful thought i actually listen i mean i've listened to lamb of god in the, in the car with you and the kids i listened to that at work uh right after listening to your podcast because i wasn't sure what song that was and i got all teary-eyed at my desk and it was it was kind of embarrassing but i tried to hide Aww, it
0: oh that's so cute i didn't even know that story okay <laughs> like, we're getting some juicy tidbits here uh, oh and i would say with that though i don't like the phrase put it on a shelf I kind of hate that. And I know people are going to be offended that I just said that. I think there's a different way to do it. I think you make friends with those doubts. I don't think you need to put them to bed and forget about them. But I also think that there's a way to navigate them where they're not driving everything you do and are. And I've said that in that episode, like how can we grow without doubts and questions? We need to have those in order to continue the restoration of the church and receive more revelation. So I think those questions are good and I think we should still have them. But I think we need to also hold on to the things that matter to us, that keep us to it, um, guided or sorry, keep us uh, centered in our faith and to focus on those habits and the obedience that will encourage us to move forward forward with our questions alongside us
1: Hmm. okay yeah quote from elder holland when he said uh, be as candid about your questions as you need to be life is full of them on one subject or another but if you and your family want to be healed don't let those questions stand in the way of faith working the miracle
0: yeah it's Uh, it's so tricky right it's very tricky but yep i think you can have both
1: (laughs) okay Okay, a couple more questions uh how much how much do you read now and um I guess what resources are helpful for you? I think those questions kinda go hand in hand.
0: I think what they're asking is like how how in tune are you with the frustrations people have about the church? Like how much do you read about that? Um and yeah, like I, I said openly, there are things that I have read in full and there are things are I have not. Um, I just have to do it based off of where my my heart is at the time and how able I am to navigate them with an open heart instead of an angry or sad heart. Um, so I, I feel like most of what's out there I'm in tune with, but I don't spend a lot of time on discussion boards or perusing websites any like I might have in the past. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with just my decision to stick with it. I feel at peace with that decision and I know my frustrations well, my doubts and my questions well. Um, so I feel like I'm working more on the ways that I can serve myself and growing the faith on the things that matter to me while also still asking the questions that I feel need to be answered and raising my voice where I feel it needs to be raised. Um, I don't know if that's too vague. Do you think that's too vague? I don't. Yeah. Um, so that's how I'd answer that. Like, I feel like I know what's up, but I'm also not like heavily involved there like for example I don't really listen to Mormon stories like that that kind of thing is just not really my scene and if it is yours that's totally okay but for me I'm I like reading here's some resources for you like I, I I share it in my show notes on my faith episode and I'll share it again on the notes for this one too and you can find that at aboutprogress.com books that have helped me I have a whole list of books that have helped me um from ranging from Crucible of Doubt to The Infinite Atonement um, by um, Todd Callister, I believe is his first name, is Todd. Um, ranging also to things like poetry on Heavenly Mother called Dove Song and Mother's Milk. Um, and, you know, anything in between. There are so many things that have helped me. I also love, I've listened to the Rational um, Face podcast a few times. I really like them. I haven't listened to them in full. Um, and I also like... I think my favorite website is fair is it fairmormon.org? I think so. um yeah like where people are really diving into things um from both like a cerebral point of view but also spiritual and religious point of view um so those are kind of the resources I'd have for that a
1: mm-hmm. uh, last question that came up quite a bit
0: oh let, wait hold on there's also a good Instagram page that someone connected with me on the comments that they've started, I think it's called Light Refined. Make sure I link to that too. And there's one on Facebook as well about people like us and people like me, I guess. And I'll connect to those if people want like a their people, you know. Yeah. Okay, sorry.
1: All right, last question. What advice would you give to people whose uh, loved ones are going through a faith crisis?
0: Well, I I think I've been so lucky to be married to Brad because he's shown me how to respond. If the tables had been turned, I'm going to be honest and say that I would have done so many things wrong. I would have been, because I'm more of a, the self-righteous of us two, I would say. <laughs> I am, I was more of a black and white thinker. I would have been terrified I would have been trying to change you. I would have been stuffing material down your throat. I would have been urging you to read your scriptures, say your prayers, attend the temple. I would have been that way and with all good intentions. But from from the point of view, of someone who was the one who was struggled, um, unexpectedly, but struggled, I can tell you that those things don't really help. And what helps more than anything is a listening ear and acceptance and love period that's it i guess that's it what do you think any anything to add there
1: uh nothing for me
0: well i hope you enjoyed hearing from brad and getting to know him a little better I don't know if we'll ever be able to get you back on the show, but I'm really grateful you were on the show. Thanks, honey. Yeah, you,
1: sh- you should you should bring up the fact that this is actually the second time we've recorded this, because the first time I was so awful as a guest that no, we, you weren't. we punted it, and we're like, we gotta fix that.
0: That was not it at all. We just weren't prepared, and we had more, dis- more questions that came up you that had to be um, included. So, no, give yourself more credit. You're amazing. I love you. And Thank you to everyone who is listening. And this now feels weird because I'm like, I love you too, Uh, all the listeners. But I'm so glad you are here. Brad, how about you say goodbye?
1: Goodbye, folks.
0: (laughs) Goodbye. Thanks so much for being here. And until next time, remember life is about progress, not perfection.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.